Heavenly Father, we acknowledge, along with creation, that you are the creator. You are the good God who made us, who loves us, and has revealed yourself to us. We pray that you would open our hearts to hear from you, to hear from your word, and even, as it says in your word, to hear the message from the skies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as I said earlier in this worship service, I want to thank you uh, for giving me a sabbatical, a two-month sabbatical, time for me to rest and to meet with the Lord, and time for me to do some traveling with my family. But also, one other part about my sabbatical was that I had been hoping for a long time to have a little extra time to do some research on some topics, on some things that I, I often save from the pulpit, but haven't had the time to research. You know, as, as a pastor, you get time to research, but there's usually always a sermon at the end of the week that you have to get to. So for this sabbatical, it was nice not to have those sermons to have to prepare, so I could do a little bit of extra research. And what I did, there were, there were four uh, biblical themes that I wanted to do some research on, and I was able to do that. I was even able to, to write and to finish a book. It's at the printers right now. Hopefully by next Sunday, I'm going to have a free copy for all of you. Uh, to give to you as, as a little token of my thanks to you for the sabbatical. I wanted to give that to you. But also, I, I thought that since I did that research, that I might as well turn it into a sermon series as well. So we're going to do a four-part sermon series. The title of it is Made Known, How the God of the Universe Has Revealed Himself. Do you believe that we can know God? Now, for most of you, having shown up here at church on a Sunday morning, I'm guessing that you would answer yes to that question, although maybe some of you are still searching. Or even for those of us who would say that we know God, that we've already entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, there still might be some nagging questions. That, that's the way it was for me. When I first prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord, I knew I should do it. There was this overwhelming testimony in my heart that I should receive Jesus but my mind still had some questions, and there were nagging questions. There were questions that I really felt like I wanted answers and almost felt like I needed answers to some of those questions. Now, I may not have been right in all of what I thought I needed or wanted, but the point is, there are questions that sometimes stick with us. And, and what I have found over the years, asking those questions and looking to God for those answers has strengthened my faith. And I've even found the last two months researching these things more deeply has strengthened my faith. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. And I, I was hoping to meet with the Lord in my sabbatical, and I did, and I was hoping to do some research. But researching more deeply into these topics has encouraged my faith. And I pray that over the course of this four-week sermon series, and, uh, or maybe in reading the book that I'm going to give to you, or really for the rest of your lives, that your faith will be strengthened as you see what God has clearly revealed to us because I believe in a God who wants us to know him. He wants us to know the truth of who he is. Now think of it this way. If God wanted to hide himself from us, he would be really good at that. In fact, I was just reading some scripture yesterday in which it says that God does hide himself from some people. He hides himself from the wicked from those who won't seek him. But for those who would seek God, the promise in Scripture is that we will find him. 
God has revealed himself because he wants us to know him. Let me show you two very famous verses on seeking. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. It's like finding a treasure map with not only a big red X on it, but also a guarantee on the bottom that there will be treasure. It's even better than that because the one who guaranteed this to us is the one who is completely powerful to do what he has said he will do. Now this is interesting, this idea of seeking. Uh, Who are the seekers? Maybe some of you have heard about this seeker-sensitive movement that has come into the church over the last 20 or 30 years, and the idea is that the seekers are those who are just beginning their spiritual journey. And and that's great. They, They should seek. But you know who else should be the seekers? We should be. Those of us who already know Jesus, we should keep on seeking him. We should keep on meeting with him, entering into the presence of God to be changed by him as we meet with him. And you know one other interesting thing? You know who else is a seeker? Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Why did he do that? Did he do it because he doesn't want anybody to know God? Or because he does want us to know God? Jesus seeks, we should seek as well. So the setup of this four-part sermon series, as well as the four chapters of the book that I've written, is that God has revealed himself to us in four ways. The first one, the one we're going to look at today, is he has revealed himself to us through creation. The second one, for next Sunday, is that he's revealed himself to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then third, he's revealed himself to us through his word, the Bible, And then fourth, it's not just he he has revealed those things to us just that we should know them as truths. It's also that we can know God through a personal relationship, through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Now, if you've been around Cornerstone for a while, you have heard me say these things a bunch of times. And one of the reasons I wanted to have this extra time on the sabbatical is so I could say them more clearly Because what I want these four things to be for us are not just things that we know, but things that are a great joy to us. That when we think about them, our heart sings in praise to God. And I want us to know them so well that it would be on the tip of our tongue as we speak to others. Because I believe that there there could be a fifth way that God reveals himself to us. It's through people like you and me. As we interact with those who don't yet know God, we can share the truths of God with them. So today we're going to look at the first part of this, creation. And the, uh, the title is Creation Reveals Its Creator. But not everyone believes that. Lots of people, even really smart people, look at the universe and don't believe that God created it. And ultimately then, we are left with two options. Either there is a natural or a supernatural explanation for how we got here. Now, let me define those terms. When I say natural, what I mean is that it would be only the laws of science. That if the the answer is that we're here by only natural purposes, then God didn't do it, and science has governed everything that has ever happened in our universe. Even if we don't understand all of the science yet, that would be that explanation. The other one, the one that I'm going with, is the supernatural answer. This idea that there must be a God who created it all. And yes, I've I've tipped my hand already, but I don't think it's a surprise to any of you where I'm going to land on that. Now here's another way to say this. Either we believe in a God who created, or we come up with some sort of other explanation that does not involve miraculous intervention 
from a supernatural being. Now I think the best explanation is, and always has been, what it says in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I have looked and looked and looked into this for years, and I'll share more of my story on that later. That's the only answer that has ever made sense to me, that God did it. And he told us that he did it. Although I will acknowledge, right off the bat, there's a difficulty here, because a person could say there must be a natural explanation for how the universe came into existence, even if we don't know it yet. Just give us more time, and we'll get it. In fact, to me, that is the, the most common answer that I have seen from other people. There, on, on the one hand, we have the people who say, God did it. Genesis 1.1 tells us he did it. And on the other hand, we have people who say, and honestly, this is what I hear most of them saying, we don't know yet. We don't know how the universe came into existence. But again, they say, give us more time, we'll figure it out. Well, I would like to suggest to you that we know enough right now to know that it's not just simply a matter of time that we would give to them to figure it out. I would like to suggest to you the impossibility of a natural explanation for how our universe came into existence. So what I want to do today with my sermon, uh, eventually, in, in, a, in a little bit here, we're going to look into the Bible, we're going to have a, a sermon from the Bible. That's what we do here at Cornerstone. We believe that God has spoken to us. But I, before we get there today, I want to spend a few minutes, I want you all to put your scientific hats on. Pretend you're in science class, and uh, we want to look at the, the question, is it possible that the universe could have come into existence without God? Okay, that's what we're going to look at today. And if that's what we're going to try to do, we're going to try to figure out how the universe could have come into existence without God, there's basically two options here. The first option would be that it came into existence on its own, and the second option would be that it came, excuse me, that it's always existed, that the universe has always existed. Unfortunately, both of those options fall flat on their face according to the laws of science. I want to show you this. I think it's actually pretty fascinating. The, the things that we know about science already show us that those options can't work. So the first one is that the, to suggest that somehow the universe came into existence on its own. And again, this is for people who would try to eliminate God from the equation. I believe that God can create from nothing, but, but we're trying to answer the question, could have the universe come into existence on its own without a supernatural force? Well, like I said before, science is against them. The first, well, here, here's a, a simple statement. Nothing can't make something. Can we all just agree to that? Have you, have you ever seen nothing make something? And here's why it doesn't work, even according to the laws of science. The first law of thermodynamics says, energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Now, um, I was talking with Brian about this, and he said, well, wait a, wait a minute, what about otter tail power? Don't they do that? Don't they create energy? Well, not exactly. They, they convert energy. They, they take energy in one form, and they convert it into a different form so it can go into your outlets. But, but they start with something, and they change it into something else. What this first law of thermodynamics correctly states is that energy, and therefore matter along with it, cannot be created or destroyed. You would have to start with something in order to get something else. You can't get something from nothing, again, unless God does it. So the, the first law of thermodynamics just points out what should be to us an obvious fact that nothing can't make something. 
So how are we going to get past that point? And the, the scientists like to go back to this initial Big Bang where you've got an infinitesimally small point in the universe that exploded out, but where did that come from? And, and they're still saying, we don't have an answer. They're still saying, give us more time. And I'm saying, you can have all the time in the world. You're not going to explain how there was something there in the first place. Where did it come from? But there's another option then. A person could say, well, maybe the universe has just always existed. We, we, we agree that it can't have sprung into existence on its own. Maybe it's always been there. Well, again, this falls on its face because of science. Let me show you the second law of thermodynamics, which is a little bit trickier to understand, but it says entropy always increases in closed systems. Now, the simple way to understand this is that temperatures like to even out. So if you've got a, your nice air-conditioned room and it's hot outside and you open the door, we know what happens, right? The heat comes in. It tries to stabilize it. Or if you have a, a bucket of ice, and you place it into a, a warm tub of bath water. Eventually, at the beginning, you've got one part that's cold and one part that's warm, but eventually what's going to happen is it's going to equalize. That's what the second law of thermodynamics tells us. And why that's important for us is think about this. If the universe were infinitely old, then all of the temperature in the universe would have had, would have had time to equalize. Everything would be at the same temperature. And you might be thinking, hey, that sounds nice, kind of like San Diego where it's always 70 degrees. <laughs> But it's not nice. At that point, if, if the temperature in the universe had stabilized, life and work would be impossible. So let's take a step back here and, and see what just happened. Using science, I have just shown you the impossibility of the two explanations that scientists would give you for how the universe came into existence without God. Now, at, at that point, some people just throw up their hands in the air and say, well, maybe we'll never know. But we've only looked at one part of it so far. We've only looked at the natural explanation. And what I'd like to suggest to you is that the Bible's explanation is actually right. That we needed somebody outside of nature to create all of this. And that's exactly what the Bible reveals to us. Okay, I realize I've been a little scientific in my sermon so far. We're going to shift gears now. We're going to look at a, a, a passage of Scripture that tells us not only that God created, but it tells us something about how he did it and how he has revealed himself to us. Because again, the point of this sermon series that we're doing here is that we would understand that God not only made us, but that he wants us to know him, and he's left evidence of who he is in our world. I've already quoted Genesis 1.1, which says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I now want to show you another passage in the Bible in which God's creation tells us something about its creator. It's Psalm 19, 1-4a. This is in your bulletins, uh, and I invite you to open up your Bible and read along. Um, I'll read it out loud now. Psalm 19, starting in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In verse 1 there, the words heavens and skies are the same words used in Genesis 1 as we learn about how God created the heavens and the skies. It, it describes things like the sun and the moon and the stars and the sky itself. And here in Psalm 19, those created things have something to tell us. The word declare there in verse 1 could also be translated as recount. 
And it, it has this idea of counting. The, it's like the stars, I like to think of it this way, the, the stars are counting off what God has done. So if you were to go outside on a clear, starry night, you could look up at the stars and count them off as they're saying, God made me, God made me, God made me. It's what the stars are saying to us because they are giving glory to God by declaring that. Or like it says at the end of verse 1, the skies have something to proclaim to us. The skies themselves are proclaiming, we are the work of God's hands. The theologian James Johnson says of this testimony of the heavens and the skies, anytime you lift your eyes, you see God's glory in the sky above. We believe in a God who speaks to us, And one of the ways that he has spoken to us is through this testimony of that which he created in the heavens and the skies. And verse 2 continues this same theme when it says, day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. The heavens and the skies repeat this testimony. Day after day after day. Night after night after night. And again, this has not come from a God who wants to remain hidden forever. It has come from a God who wants us to know that he created us, that we belong to him. The sun, the moon, and the stars continue to pour out this message. And then we get to verse 3, and you may have noticed uh, some of your translations might be different than my translation in verse 3. There's two pretty different ways to translate that verse, although by the time you get to verse 4, they end up making the same point. So I'm just going to stick with verse 3 in my translation. And if any of you have questions about your translation, I'd be glad to answer those afterwards. And, or by the way, I, I, I just want to avail myself to you all. If you have any other further questions beyond what I've been able to cover in my sermon, I, I'd be glad to talk with you about these things. So come and find me after the service or some other time. Uh, but in verse 3 it says, speaking of the heavens and the skies, there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Even though the heavens and the skies don't have what we would call speech or language, their message rings out to the ends of the world, and that's what it says in verse 4. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. When God created the universe, he gave a voice to that which he created, which would speak a loud message to us if we would listen. Like what I said about the stars, each one of them saying, God made me. God made me. And there's an interesting word in verse 4, that word that's translated voice up on the screens. And it's interesting because when this verse gets quoted in the New Testament and therefore in a different language, they use a verse, uh, excuse me, they use a word that could be translated like a musical note or a tone. So I, d- I don't think it's a stretch to say that, that the heavens and the skies speak to us almost in a musical language. Have you ever been moved by a piece of music and said, like, it spoke to you? I think that's what the heavens and the skies are doing. I think in a, in a very poetic and very powerful way, the testimony of the skies, their repeated testimony, is that God made it all. Psalm 97.6 says, The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the peoples see his glory. All the peoples. Every one of us is meant to hear this message from the skies. Now, does God expect us to hear that message? 
Yes, he does. There's another short passage in the New Testament that I want to show you now. The Apostle Paul picks up on this point in Romans 1, verses 18 through 20. And I want to read for you what he wrote. It starts off with wrath, which might sound strange, but you'll get the point here as we go on. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. In verse 19, it says that God has made something plain. In verse 20, it says that something has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So what is it that God has revealed to us? Well, it tells us in verse 20, it's God's eternal power and divine nature. Let's look at those two phrases real quick. God's eternal power. How has God's eternal power been revealed to us? Well, think about this. When we look up at the heavens and the skies, we should automatically know there is somebody with eternal power who made this. Otherwise, we come up against that wall that the scientists are coming up against that says nothing can't make something. And they're still at that wall trying to get around it. And they can't get around it. We know by looking at the skies that God has eternal power. And then also we know about God's divine nature. That phrase, divine nature, translates one Greek word which just means that he's God. So when we look up at the heavens and the skies, we are to know without excuse that there is a God who created it. And again, all of this has been clearly seen. But has it really? There are lots of people today, you probably know people who deny this. You probably know people who would say, there's, there's no God who created it all. Why? Why would the Bible say that this has been clearly seen when there are some people who would say, I don't see it? Well, if you look at verses 18 and 19 of this passage on the screen, we learn something about some people that some of them suppress the truth. They suppress these truths that, that have been clearly seen. Some people intentionally deny that there is a creator. Now, why would anyone do that? Michael Behe, in his book Darwin's Black Box, gives a suggestion as to why some people would do that. He says that many people just don't want there to be anything beyond nature. And I, I think he might be right on that that there are some people, they hear the testimony of the sky, which has been clearly seen, which has been understood, but they know that it points to a God who made it, and if it points to a God who made it, then we are responsible to that God. And a lot of people don't want that. I say it often here that a lot of people don't want a Lord or a Master in their lives, and if the testimony of the skies is that there is a Lord, that's when some people, like it says in verse 18, suppress that truth. So we have two choices. Either we listen to the testimony of creation or we deny it. The theologian Michael Wilcox says, any willing hearer can get the message. It's not a difficult message. This message that God created it, it's a simple, simple message. The heavens have a voice that speak loudly, even without saying a word. Every day since you were born, 
day after day, night after night, creation has been revealing to you, pouring out a message to you that God made it all. There's a God of glory who made it all, who made you. Have you heard this message? Or have you denied it all your life? Now, for me, in my spiritual journey, this was a nagging question that stuck with me for a long time. Like I said, as a, as a sophomore in high school, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And I did that because of the, the overwhelming testimony in my heart. I believe that God got his message across just straight to me, in my heart. And I knew that I should receive Jesus. But I still had questions. Now, I've shared this story lots of times here about how I got my answer. And some of you could probably come up here and share my story about how this happened for me. So for those of you that know my story, I want you just to start to think about your story. How is it that that you knew that that God was the creator? And in fact, in just a moment, I'm going to ask all of you, uh, I'm going to give you a homework assignment along those same lines. But for me, what happened was I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. My heart was filled but my mind still had questions. And the most nagging question was, what if the atheists are right? What if there's no God out there? What if my prayers don't make it past the ceiling? And that question stayed with me for a long time. And I think I did it wrong because I don't think I talked to anybody about that question. I don't think I really even did any research on that question. I just kind of allowed that question to stay in my mind and it stayed there for quite a long time. And I thought... If God's really out there, can't he give me some supernatural sign that he exists? And I didn't get that, at least until I listened. Um, But I, I didn't get that supernatural sign in the way I wanted it. But at the same time, I wasn't convinced of the atheist answer either. How could we ever prove that there is no God? So I was kind of left with these questions, and, and nobody's answer seemed any good to me until one night. I got my answer. Um, I had three good friends in high school that lived within walking distance from my house. And oftentimes I would stay at their house until past the sunset. And as I would walk home, I would often just be captivated by the beauty of the moon and the stars. And I'm not a very poetic person, um, and I, I didn't often think much about it. But one night as I was walking home, I remember it clearly, I was looking up at the a beautiful starlit night with a a nice big moon there. And I thought to myself, I didn't make that. And then I thought, my parents didn't either. And neither did their parents. And I knew at that moment, I heard at that moment, that testimony of the skies, that they had been pouring forth their speech day after day and night after night. And I heard it for the first time, that God made it all. And honestly, it was like a switch that turned on for me. And ever since then, that answer has been all that I've needed to know that God created all of this. I've done a lot more research into it. I've looked into the science. I've looked into other answers. But nothing has come close to me in my mind to that testimony of the skies that God made it all. So what is it for you? Here's where I want to give you a homework assignment. I want you to think about what is it about what God has created that speaks to you. Because I, I believe in a speaking God who wants us to know him, who has revealed things about him. What is it about his creation that convinces you that there is someone who made it all? For some people, it's the, the beauty of a mountain scene. You can see the, uh, the backdrop of my slideshow. It's a photo I took at uh, Grand Teton National Park. 
and there were, there were many, uh, Christine and I went to Australia on my sabbatical and then we took our family to Yellowstone later and I can't tell you how many times I, I would look at some awesome landscape of nature and just say, wow, good job God, <laughs> you did it. I felt like, like doing a round of applause for God at some times. What is it for you? Is it, is it the mountains? Is it a lake? Is it a, a sunset? Is it a forest? I want, you to fi- I want you to think about something that speaks to you. For others, and, and I, I wrote more at length about this in my book, and I'm not going to get much into it here today. Maybe it's the amazing intricacies at the atomic or the molecular level. Maybe it's the, the amazing way that God crafted our DNA, the DNA that's in every living cell, that shows us that there has to be a designer. Or maybe for you it's the miracle of, of a new baby. Just holding a baby and saying, wow, good job, God. I want you to think about that. What is it for you that speaks loudly to you that God is our creator? But I don't want you to stop there. I don't want you just to get your answer to that question and move on. I want that to cause in you a sense of awe and, and wonder and praise for God, because that's where I think this is supposed to take us. When, when we get this testimony from the skies that God is the creator, we're supposed to turn that back into praise for God. So I want to I show you um, a couple of verses now along these lines. I want you to join in with the heavenly chorus that's already declaring the glory of God, and I want you to declare the glory of God. It reminded me of a verse. Do you remember in Luke 19, when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem around the Passover feast? This is, this is right before his crucifixion, and the crowds were praising him. Do you remember what some of the Pharisees said to Jesus at that time? They asked Jesus to stop his disciples from praising him. And do you remember what Jesus said in Luke 19.40? Whoops. One more slide. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. It's like creation itself is just waiting to burst out in praise. And if we keep our mouths silent, we'd hear it from the stones. Now, I don't want it to get to that point. Um, I want us to join in with what it says in Psalm 19 that the heavens and the skies are already doing. And then one more passage. In Colossians 1, it's this amazing uh, Christ hymn. It's this amazing passage about how Christ has supremacy. In that passage, it talks about how Jesus was actively involved in creation. And yes, all three members of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, were actively involved in creation. And in Colossians 1.16, speaking about Jesus, it says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And it's that last line that I want us to key in on as we close this sermon here. All things were created by him and for him. I don't want you to walk away today just convinced in your mind that God created you. I want that for you, but that's just step one. Step two is that we would recognize that we were not just created by him, but also for him. And our life's purpose is to live for him, to be seekers of him, to be worshipers of him. And as I say often here, worship isn't just what we do on Sunday mornings as we sing together. Worship should be an entire life lived for God in all that we do and think and say. 
Let us be people who worship God. The God who has revealed himself. The God who has clearly revealed himself to us through creation. Let us keep seeking him. Let us keep worshiping him. May we never keep silent about it and let a stone take our place. Let's worship God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this clear testimony of this guise, clearly revealing your eternal power and divine nature. We thank you for what you have done, God, to reveal yourself to us. We also thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom the universe was made, that, that through him we could have a relationship with you, we can live with you forever, we can praise you forever. God, I pray that every one of us would be assured in our minds that you created and from there that we would live lives of praise and worship to you as we keep on seeking you. So again, God, we thank you for what you have revealed to us and we pray that we would embrace those truths with our hearts and with our minds as we live our lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.